Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. Thank you, Handbell Choir. Thank you, Lana, for taking over on, on that. Paul's been very occupied uh, this semester with many different things, and Lana stepped up, and we are grateful for that and grateful for the music of our Handbell Choir. Good morning, and welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church. He is risen. Amen. And that's why we're here today. That's why we're here every Sunday, is to celebrate the empty tomb and a living Savior. We don't have any tabs on the side of our bulletins, but I do want to direct you to the slips of paper that hopefully are in your pews. Um, if you're visiting with us, we'd like for you to take one of those and just fill, that, fill out some information on there so that we can get in touch with you and you can get to uh, know us better and we can get to know you. If you have a, um, a need of someone in your family, someone in your community that we can uh, share with our care ministry, please fill that out and put that in the offering plate as it comes by and we'll get that to our care ministry this week and be able to, um, to minister to those who are in need. I want to draw your attention to our bulletin. If you will notice, um, well, in the insert in your bulletin, thank you to those who contributed to the beautiful decoration of the lilies uh, in our sanctuary this morning. We're grateful for those, and you can see who those are in memory and honor of in the insert. Um, note that there are no evening services tonight. There will also be no Wednesday activities this week. Um, children activities or choir practice, is that correct? No choir practice. But there will be prayer meeting this week. 
prayer meeting at 645 in the Lighthouse Room. So you can gather for prayer meeting and um, Jim's devotion uh, have, have been really good. And so I encourage you to um, participate in that. Also, you'll see the continued announcements for the GAs and the um, donations for the uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center. So please participate in that. Also want to say a big thank you to all those who came out yesterday and supported the fundraiser for the Glenn family and for those who worked so hard. I believe they were able to raise a little over $13,000 just at yesterday's fundraiser. So that's fantastic. Uh, I, I know John didn't want me to put words in his mouth, but I know he, on behalf of his family, they have been very appreciative of the way that you have shown love and support uh, for them over the past week. And I pray that you would continue to do that and continue to pray for them as well. It is such a, a great part of being a part of the family of God that we can share with one another in the good times and in the bad. bad. And so I'm just glad that, that we've been able to, to take opportunity to do that. So again, let's continue to worship our risen Savior this morning. Good morning. Amen. Christ has risen. And when he, and when he rose, we all know that we, will also, we also rose again as well. And I've come to you for this mission moment um, that I started this past month to invite you all um, as brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for the nations um, because we are all connected. Um, no matter where we live, what region it is, or what hemisphere we live, we are all connected because we are all children of God. And no matter no matter what skin color we have, no matter what religion we follow, we are all beloved children in God's eyes. And we as Christians are called to love everybody and to pray for everybody and to ask, and ask that God's blessing is bestowed upon all people, to open the doors for us to spread his word and to bring our other brothers and sisters into, into our community of faith. Um, last month, I have asked this congregation to pray for the country of Egypt, and I express my deepest gratitude for your prayers, and I know that God is pleased to see his children praying for others, despite where they come from, despite what religion they follow. I know that he is pleased to see that we are showing love and kindness towards others. Um, and this month, I will ask for us to pray for the Palestinians, as well as for the Israelites. There has, as you may or may not know, been a lot of hostility between the two groups um, due to land, due to different beliefs, due to old hatred that went down generations. And this has caused the death of hundreds of innocent people. It has caused great economic and political strife between the two groups. And I'm asked, I'm asked this congregation that we pray that one day peace between these two people can be found, that God will bestow upon them the peace to bring together these people to overcome their differences and to lay down their weapons against each other. And I ask this congregation to pray that the Palestinians and the Israelites will know to love each other and to help each other to make, to make the land that they live on a better place because the holy city of Jerusalem is full of strife. As you have three of the most, three of the most powerful religions fighting each other over a city that that has been fought over for, for thousands and thousands of years. It's the most blood-covered city in the history of humanity. And, and most of it is not just not because of religion. It's mostly because of ethical pride, of who deserves to be there, who does not deserve to be there. It is a problem that humanity itself has had ever since, ever since Cain and Abel. 
we fight each other over things we believe belongs to us, but it all belongs to God, and we, and we easily forget that. The death and resurrection of Christ show that all things belongs to God, and all things that belongs to God must be cherished. So I ask that we pray that one day peace will be found in this land, and that I pray that love will conquer all, especially ethical hatred, a problem that we ourselves as Americans have had, a problem that we as a race have had for a long time. Because Christianity as a faith overlooks all of that. We are brothers and sisters no matter what family we come from. And we are all under the sovereignty of God. And I pray that one day the people of Israel, the people of Palestine, will one day understand that and see each other as brothers and sisters and not as enemies. So can you please join me in prayer? Dear Lord, we open our hearts to you, Lord God, and we pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Palestine, Lord God Almighty. We pray, Lord God, that you bring peace upon them, Lord God, and give them the spirit to lay down their weapons, Lord God, and embrace each other in love, Lord, as you embrace us, Lord God. We continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Egypt, Lord God Almighty. We continue to pray for those who are suffering, Lord, through war, economic depression, and through strife and political, and political oppression, Lord God Almighty. We pray, Lord, that you bring peace and restoration to them, Lord God Almighty. As we celebrate, celebrate the day that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ rose from the dead, Lord, we pray, Lord God, that you open up the doors, Lord, for, for, for us, Lord God, to be more of help to those in Palestine and Israel, to be a more help to those in Egypt, Lord. Hear our prayers, Lord God, because we earnestly lift them up to you, Lord God Almighty. And I pray, Lord, that you bless them, Lord God, and you watch over them, Lord God Almighty, and you protect them, Lord and you open up opportunities for, for your servants to bring them into the community of faith, Lord God Almighty. In these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Take your hymnals, to, and as we join in the celebration of Christ's resurrection, number 159, Christ the Lord is risen today. We're only going to sing the first three stanzas. 159. Let's stand, please. <laughs>
I, I want to preface what I'm fixing to say today by I'm not fussing. Okay? But my children's sermon today came out of our Easter egg hunt last week. I got kind of frustrated. You want to know why I got frustrated? Why did I get frustrated? I'm walking behind the kids, and there are eggs on the ground. We have went out to hunt Easter eggs, and the kids are running out there, they're filling up their baskets, and they left eggs on the ground. Why would you leave an egg on the ground? Is anybody, why would you leave an egg on the ground? At an Easter egg hunt, why would you leave an egg on the ground? Because you dropped it? No, I don't think that's what it was. It had nothing in it. Confession is good for the soul. (laughs) And listen, it ain't the older kids that were doing this either. These were some little kids that would run around, they'd reach down, they'd pick it up, they'd shake it, and when there wasn't nothing in it, they'd drop it, and they'd go on to the next one. (laughs) I was tore up. I brought some eggs today, and guess what? There's nothing in them. They're empty. I really have trouble trying to figure out why we use eggs at Easter anyway. Eggs and Easter bunnies. I mean, do you know that a bunny doesn't lay an egg? I mean, I was an older person before I realized that. Chickens lay eggs, but bunnies do not. But what I have discovered is that eggs were used um, in a lot of even the pagan celebrations of the spring um, to represent life and new life and fertility. But what, as Christians, why do, why do we use eggs? What is special about the eggs to Christians? And it ain't the candy in them. See, that's what I'm going to tell you. These, an an egg with candy in it is not an Easter egg. Do you know that? Why is an egg with candy in it not an Easter egg? Yes, thank you. The empty egg is what we celebrate. See, the empty egg is what we celebrate because we celebrate an empty tomb. So you get all excited about eggs with candy in them, and eggs with candy, don't, they're not even Easter eggs. But the empty ones are. Because when the ladies got to the tomb on the third day, what did they find? Nothing. 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 And we get all excited today over an empty tomb. Why? Because Jesus is alive.
the words of that power of the cross where Christ became sin for us. Um, a, a personal word, there was a, a good chance that we were not going to be having handbells uh, this spring because, as Wesley mentioned, I was involved in the Music Man production at Gardner-Webb, and their rehearsals met at the same time that these rehearsals did, and so we didn't think we were going to be able to have it, but Lana stepped up and uh, filled in for me, and I appreciate that. And it's good whenever a church body, whenever one person in the body has to step out for one reason or another, that somebody else steps in. That's what the body of Christ is all about. In Romans 6, 4, it says, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. The anthem we're going to be singing says, The sunrise is shouting, the stone is rolled away, the whole earth is trembling with praise. This is our victory. Death has no sting. And all of creation sings, Long live the King. Thank you, Paul and choir. You always prepare our hearts for worship. Isn't it great to be in God's house today on this special day and uh, just be able to share together the great hope that it's 2,000 years old. We don't believe in anything just started. <laughs> it's been around for a while. Mark 16, 1 through 7, this is one of the accounts 
of the resurrection. And we're familiar with the words. It's kind of like the Christmas story. We're familiar with the Christmas story, but I think every time we read it, hopefully it's like we read it for the first time, it never grows old. It never ceases to touch us. Mark 16, verses 1 through 7. And when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And they said, and he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him, just as I said to you. This scripture says that there were three women involved in this scripture. They came the day after the Jewish Sabbath. The Jewish Sabbath was our Saturday, so this would be Sunday. In the early morning, they wanted to go to the tomb of Jesus to anoint his body with sweet spices. This was not anything that was rare or odd. This is what people did to honor a loved one, to honor one that had just departed, to do this last act of love for their loved one. There had been no time to render these services to Jesus before. There had been the chaos of the cross and all of that. Then the Sabbath had intervened. It was against the law for them to do this on the Sabbath. So this was the first day when they were really able to do this, to really perform this sad task of anointing the body of Jesus. We have to hand it to the women. At least they had the courage to come out of hiding. The truth is that neither the women nor the other disciples were looking for the resurrection. They did not say, let's go out there and greet the risen Lord. No, they weren't looking for it at all. Jesus had said it, but they didn't believe it or they forgot it. The attitude of the women was, this is the last loving tribute that we can do to the master. And the attitude of the disciples was, everything had ended in tragedy, everything was in defeat, the horror of the cross, everything was lost, the master was dead. How can I get out of town? <laughs> How can I escape maybe what happened to Jesus? <coughs> You can tell that the women were distracted because they were halfway to the tomb when they realized who's going to roll away the stone. You see, in that day, tombs did not have doors with a handle on it. They had these huge circular stones, thick, heavy, just very large. Maybe they that were that large to um, discourage grave robbers. You had to have a group of people, pretty good-sized group of people to move those stones. But these women had been so distracted that they didn't even ask anybody to accompany them to help move this stone. And they were halfway there when they realized, who's going to roll away this stone? Who's going to, who's strong? We're not strong enough to do that. Who will roll away the stone? Who will roll away the stone? Folks, it has bigger implications than just this scripture. Because some stones in our lives seem immovable. They seem so heavy. They seem beyond our ability to, to cope with. Life without hope. Life without meaning. Life without purpose. Life without that spiritual dimension has a heaviness to it. Sometimes it's the stone of futility that all we try and we don't seem to get anywhere. The stone of bitterness. Some people have wronged us and we're bitter because those things happened to us maybe years ago. The stone of injustice. 
Things aren't turning out the way they ought to turn out. The griefs of life, lack of purpose, reason for being. Then you put against that the backdrop of looming death. I've known some people that are quite young in their years, and they're terrified of dying, and they're in their 40s. What a hard way to live the rest of your life. I'm reminded of the song, I think Frank Sinatra sang it once many years ago. And the lyrics went something like this. Is that all there is? Is, is that all there is? If that's all there is, let's just kick off our shoes and have a ball. <laughs> this life is all there is. Is life going somewhere? Is there an eternal purpose, an eternal truth, an eternal presence that makes a difference? Is life going somewhere? Are you going somewhere? These are haunting questions that won't go away. And we all need hope. Hope there's a better day, a better time, a better season. Hope that somewhere out there, our, the injustices will be made right and things will be fine and there will be reunion. That hope that makes this life bearable. Stories told of a U.S. submarine that sank off the coast of Providence, Rhode Island. And it was in relatively shallow water where divers could get down to it, but there was no hope of rising it again. And divers went down to check on the submarine, and as they were go swimming along the side of the submarine, they heard a gentle tapping from the people inside, imprisoned inside that sunken submarine that could not be raised. And it was in Morse code. And what was the translation of Morse code? Is there any hope? Is there any hope? If there's hope, we can go on. If there's hope that we will live, if there's hope that we can be rescued, maybe we can go on. But we just need to know, is there any hope? See, hope is a part of human nature, that things can get better, that things are going to be better, that things, there are things to look forward to. Hope, that's part of our human nature. It's mixed in our DNA. We want to go on hoping we're so born that way. Back in World War II, when the German bombers were going over London every day, they would bomb the city into rubble. And you know, when they did that, what would happen every time the bombers cleared away and the all clear was sounded, people would go out and get their brooms and get their, and, and the picking up, and they would clear everything away. They would clear, try to clear everything away, although it was a wreck. They would try to clear away because their hope was they won't come back. And the next night, they came back again. And they got out and they swept. And they cleaned up. Maybe that's a lot. That's our hope. That's a part of who we are. We carve tombstones in granite because it endures. And the name endures on that tombstone. And we have hope that we will see that person again. We deck graves with flowers, the sign of perpetual spring, that there will be life for that person again. That's just the way we are as people. We have this hope. Without hope, I think, in another world, a realm of justice, a realm of light, a realm of peace. Without that in our hearts, the resurrection fact would find no lodgment in our souls. We come to celebrate the basic hope that has moved mankind forward. He has risen. Everything has flowed from this, my friends. If Jesus is not risen, we would not know his name. This church would not stand on this property. This gospel of resurrection and hope, the living Christ within, we trust and rest in that great truth. And my friends, how that changes our perspective on life how we look at life, how we perceive of life. Do you know that your life is like a camera? You can set the distance gauge on six feet, 60 feet, or infinity. It's all what you're focused on. The difference is what you're focused on in your life. And if you're focused, if you're focused, no matter what's going on, if your focus is in Christ, his love, his sacrifice for you, 
If your focus is on the great gospel truth and the power of the resurrection, if your focus is on the truth of the scripture, if your focus is on that thing, nothing can defeat you. Nothing can. What are our eyes focused on? That perspective will make life livable. There are several points I want to make, and like any good Baptist sermon, this has three points. <laughs> what's the proof of the resurrection, my friend? Sometimes people just go along, oh, what's the proof? How do you prove that? <clears throat> Some things are you cannot prove with a finite mind. Well, you know what the best proof of the resurrection is? The best proof of the resurrection was the change in the disciples and the existence of the Christian church. That, to me, when I read that in Scripture and I read what happened to these guys, people don't die for a lie. I know that Jesus didn't do that, but I'm going to allow myself to be killed, but even though I know that's a lie. That doesn't make sense. That the best proof is what changed in the lives of the early leaders of the Christian church and the existence of the church itself. These cowards who were hiding away in this scripture for today, they became great evangelists of the gospel just like that. These rude, unlettered fishermen from Galilee became evangelists of the king. Something happened to change their hearts. Something happened to make them willing to lay their lives down. Something happened. Something happened. We see this. If you go up in um, New England, the northern parts of our nation, you can see where there are huge boulders out in the fields. You can see these huge rocks strewn around and, and uh, seem to be out of place. And you ask people, well, what happened? Well, glaciers came down. The great ice sheet came down uh, and, uh, and scraped these big stones out of earth from far north and carried them with this ice sheet. And when the ice sheet uh, uh, retreated, then these stones were left. That's the evidence of it. The evidence was something big happened here, and this is the evidence that it happened. You go out to a place called Crater Lake, perfectly round lake, deep, in the middle of nowhere, and you find that because of the evidence there and some of the things they have taken off the bottom of that lake that's very deep, a meteorite hit there. Just the circular and the way it's built up on the side, a meteorite hit that. You didn't see the meteorite. You didn't see it land. You didn't see the explosion, but you see the effect of it. You see it. It happened. The stones that were taken down by the ice sheet, you didn't see the ice sheet. That was a long time ago. You see the evidence of it. You see the evidence of it. Sometimes we can go down to the coast and we can see where hurricanes have devastated the land. We can see houses turned into matchsticks. We can see cars overturned. We can see flooding. We weren't there when the hurricanes blew. We didn't feel the wind, but we saw the effect of it. And the effect of it proved that it was so. Or tornadoes that sometimes even strike around here. We can go see the devastation that those have caused. We weren't there when it passed by. We didn't feel the wind of that tornado. We see the effect of it. The early church exploded. People were willing to die. Folks, something happened. Something big. Something whose effect still goes on today after 2,000 years. I don't have any trouble believing in the resurrection, folks. I don't have any trouble at all. Secondly, how trusting the resurrection, my friends, Changing, changes our lives now. When we believe that, it changes our perspective on all of life. 
You don't hear the disciples getting around in the corner and saying, you see, Jesus rose from the grave. This means we're going to live forever. So we're just going to live any old way we want to. We're going to disobey the law. We're going to live just selfish old lives. But one day when we die, we're going to live forever. They didn't think that way. How did they think? I can live for him now. I'll live with him forever, but I have the great joy of living for him now. That changes today, doesn't it? I hope it does. I hope it changed yesterday. I hope it's going to change tomorrow. It changes how we live. Knowing that makes a difference in life now, how it changes life now. We can let go of loved ones and keep on because we know where they are and one day we're going to join them. We understand and we don't try to understand all mysteries because we know there are mysteries in life that we will never understand beyond our finite reasoning. And one day those mysteries will be made clear to us. We can shed tears, but one day we know they'll find compensation because we know that there will be a great day of reunion. The empty grave is a basis of hope and how that changes life that no matter what life throws at us, we have that hope that makes a difference in how we live day by day. Folks, if the, if the final chapter of life is victory, it doesn't matter really how much the chapters in between that victory are. The final one is victory. And if we believe that, what can take away our joy? We understand, my friends, that life is not a cave, but a tunnel that leads somewhere. Somewhere beautiful, somewhere joyful. We will see Jesus, the great mind behind it all, the final destination. Death wears a changed face. The face of death is not ugly and terrifying. It wears a changed face. I like the story of the little girl. She was in elementary school, and the school bus would let her off, and the shortcut to her house was across a graveyard. So she would go across the graveyard every day to get to her house. And one of her little friends said, Aren't you afraid to go across that graveyard? Little girl smiled and said, No, I'm not afraid. I just cross it to reach home. I'm going to cross that graveyard to reach home. And so are you. Could be tomorrow. We could live to be 100. Who knows? I don't need to know. But that's how we get home. And it's a good home. Lastly, this is the most important. The empty tomb tells us, my dear friends, That Jesus is not a figure in a book, but a living presence. Jesus is not a memory, but a presence. John Wesley was in the Methodist church, and for many years he lived what he thought was faith. It was kind of a cold thing, a thing filled with laws and expectations, and he was trying to live by the golden rule. He was trying to do right. It didn't seem to have much joy to it, but he did it anyway. And then one day when he was in London, it was a Sunday morning, and the snow was pretty deep. And he went to a small Methodist church. The snow was so deep, the preacher couldn't get there. That's pretty deep snow, I guess. <laughs> but there was a crowd of about 15, maybe 20, and there was a deacon there who said he would take over the service and he would say a few extemporaneous remarks, but he did preach on a scripture in Isaiah where the scripture says, Come unto me, for there is no other. And that's the Lord saying that. I am the only way. Come to me. And John Wesley had realized that he had tried to do the right thing. He had lived by the rules. He had gone to church. He had done all the things that he thought was right, but he had never come to God. He had never surrendered his heart. And he did that in humility. He was a good person. Sometimes the good people are the hardest ones to save. (laughs) Because they say, I'm already good. 
What more do I need? So he said, Lord, I come to you in all humility. And that little crowd of preachers, wasn't he preachers, a deacon, it was about 15, 20 people. And what did John Wesley said? Suddenly I felt the spirit of Jesus within me. I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt the presence of the risen Christ within me. My friends, Jesus is not someone to discuss so much as someone to meet. The Christian life is not lived by one who knows about Jesus, but one who knows Jesus. What a difference between knowing about a person and knowing a person. And the greatest scholar in the world who knows everything about Jesus is less than the humblest Christian who knows him. (laughs) The living presence of Jesus within is what makes the difference. It's not church attendance. It's not Bible reading. It's not resolutions. And it's not being in rubbing shoulders with good people in the pew. It's the living Christ inside of you. You know he's alive and he brings new insight into your heart, new love, new power, new peace, new priorities, new contentment, the living Christ within. And my friends, theological statements have been substituted for a living presence. We have taken the spirit of Jesus and imprisoned him in stained glass windows and shut him up in an organization. Mary could not find Christ because she was looking for a dead Christ. And we would look at the Christ in Palestine 2,000 years ago. And what he does impresses us and we study him. We learn about his teachings. We know about his life. But the risen Christ, risen within, living in our hearts today, that's a different thing. Walking with us every day, we feel his presence. We know his power. We know his spirit. And it speaks to us and guides our lives. R.W. Dale was a great preacher in Birmingham, England a number of years ago. And the week before Easter, he was preparing his sermon. He was writing it out. As he did every, for every sermon, but this was special. It was Easter. And he was writing it out in longhand. This was before the days of typewriters and so forth. And as he was writing these sermons and studying, had his books... He wrote, Christ is alive. He wrote those three words in his sermon text, Christ is alive. Then he stopped. And he looked at what he just wrote. Christ is alive. Christ is alive. He's alive. He's just as alive as you are this morning, living and breathing in this church. Christ is alive. It struck him as if it had never struck him before. He had been preaching for years. Christ is alive. He's alive. He's alive in me. He's alive in you. He's alive in the world. He's working. He's thinking. He's doing. He's planning. Christ is alive. He got up. He couldn't even sit still. He started pacing back and forth. Christ is alive. I will never preach as though Christ were dead. He's alive. He's alive. You see, the Eastern Church gathers around the cradle. The Western Church gathers around the cross. But the New Testament church's focus was always on the empty tomb. The sign of our faith is not an empty cross, but an empty tomb. It's not an hourglass in the aging hands of time. It's an angel at the door of a tomb. It's not a sign, but it's a presence. And that power is ours to face life. My friends, life gets hard sometimes. It gets hard for people who know the Lord. Life can throw curves at people. It can. It's difficult sometimes. But God gives us the strength to go on. Joseph Power, another, uh, Parker, another preacher, said these words, Some have found fault with me. They have called me old-fashioned and out of date because I'm always quoting the Bible. Why not quote in the the pulpit science or some other avenues? But I'll tell you what, my friends. When someone has lost a child, when someone has lost a husband or wife, or someone's facing that dying moment, 
when they're searching for power and peace and they're facing mysteries they cannot understand. Are you going to send them to a science book? I think the Bible will do. And in that, we find the peace and hope for life. In the midst of storm, even in the midst of looming death, there is hope. The Bible says this corruptible must put on incorruption. The Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? The cry of the world is this, lead me to the other side of that darkness. Who will roll away the stone? Christ has died, therefore we live. Christ lives, therefore we will never die. May that hope and that presence live in your heart forever. Let's bow together. Father, we're thankful for the message of this morning. You see, the message of this morning goes out every day. It's just not for Easter. It's not just for a special day one time a year. The Easter hope will be just as true and vital and real tomorrow. It'll be just as vital and true July 4th. It is the hope that we carry in our hearts 365 days a year. Life is eternal. Christ has the keys. He has the power. His spirit makes life worth living. His presence is the joy of our hearts. This is true all the time. May we claim it. There be any here that want to come into this church from another. There be any here that want to accept you as Lord and Savior. We stand ready to receive those folks when they come. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. Our invitation song is actually one in the bulletin called Come Just As You Are. Let's stand, please.
Be seated just a moment. I think uh, a lot of you folks know this young lady, Zoe Hamrick, daughter of Wesley and Ginger Hamrick. She's coming desiring to uh, accept the Lord as her Lord and Savior by profession of faith and be baptized in this church. Do I hear a motion receiving the fellowship? Do I hear a second? All in favor say hallelujah. hallelujah. All right. That's appropriate for Easter. <laughs> so we're glad to have her. And uh, you want to come up here and stand with her? Any, any other members of the family can, so she won't be up here all by herself. And uh, y'all come and speak to her and let her know that you are glad that she has made this important decision in her life. I was a little older than her. I was 18. But that decision changed the direction of my life for the rest of my life. And uh, so we're so grateful she has done this. And before um, I pronounce the benediction, you know, we uh, had a sad occasion in this community with John and Sherry's house, and they're rebuilding, and they're going to do fine. And uh, when we shared the need, and the people responded the way they did, which was amazing to me, that tells me the heart of this church. Won't you think about that? That tells me what you're really all about. Let's stand for our benediction. Father, go with us and guide us. Pray you'll bless this young lady's life who has decided to make that public profession of faith in you. Best decision you'll ever make is to follow Jesus. Oh, Lord, what a difference it makes. And Father, just bless us and guide us. Helps us to know of your love. Help us to know of the Easter hope. And if it doesn't reside in our hearts, may it reside now. Lord, help us to totally embrace it. I don't understand resurrection, but I know that nothing's impossible with you. That's all I need to know. That's enough for me. And Father, just help us to live in the victory of our faith. Help us, Lord, to love other folks. Help us, Lord, to do what we need to do to serve you. Bless this church. Go with us and guide us. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. And we're going to sing. There's one more thing. We do the Hallelujah Chorus as we celebrate uh, Easter. If you know the Hallelujah Chorus, we ask that you come forward and sing it along with us. Don't be shy. And we've got music here for you in case you forgot the words.
Patience and come down and greet this, this young lady. God bless you. You have been listening to the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.